And friends, I want to encourage you to take your copy of the scriptures this morning and turn with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Keep going. It's a little further in the New Testament. Perhaps one of those unfamiliar books. Can you name one verse that is found in the book of Hebrews? A little personal opportunity to know whether or not you, you know it, how well you know it, but my friends, in the weeks to come, you shall know it well. Angels in the Bible are fascinating, are they not? I mean, they show up out of nowhere. I mean, you know, Daniel is in this lion's den, and you know, you've got the, the, the guys, three Hebrew kids in the fiery furnace. Who hasn't heard that story as a kid? God providing help to his children, angels. Back in the 80s, and I'm a child of the 80s, no doubt about that, much was made of angels. All oh, the books that were written and continue to be written. You know, one particular book I read, it was a novel about angels and this pastor and, and oh, how they work together. <laughs> and it was a bunch of nonsense. But I'll tell you, people have made much about angels. And I've seen stuff on people's cars about angels. Oh, that angels would watch over me. My friends, if you're going to pray, pray to Jesus. Pray to your heavenly Father that he would determine how to help you in your circumstances. Well, my friends, in the book of Hebrews, the audience here, <laughs> and Kenny guesses who this might be, the book is entitled to the Hebrews. Jewish believers experiencing a great deal, a great deal of persecution. Difficult, difficult days for these followers of Jesus. And who do you want to stand with you when the going gets tough? Angels? The key word that we're going to see here in the book of Hebrews, well, is Jesus. And what we're going to see connected to his name is the word better. Jesus is better than that teddy bear you had when you were a kid. And the lights were off and you wondered if there were monsters under your bed. And you held on tight. Maybe today it's a pillow or a person. But I'll tell you, better than these, my friends, is Jesus. So take a look with me, if you will, as we focus on Jesus and his prominence overall. I'm going to use two words that sound very similar, but have a very different meaning. And we will see that in the text. And the first, as the focus begins on Jesus here in verse 1, is his prominence. Jesus is prominence. He stands out because he is different. He is different in multiple ways, this writer would tell us. First and foremost, in prophecy, in God's revelation, God revealing to man that which would otherwise be unknown concerning his person and his promises and his plan. Notice with me, if you will, verse 1, 
long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. We've studied the Old Testament and we know it to be true. Unfortunately, the cleanest pages of the Bible are the prophets. Hard to understand they can be. Studied they must be. And so the past practice of God is to give his word to a prophet that that prophet might communicate the word of God to his people. And did you know that, how did they get that law? How did they get the law? You know, the, the Mo, Moses on the, uh, and the Ten Commandments. Well, according to Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19 Paul writes, why then the law? It was added because of transgression. We catch him right in the middle of this conversation of the purpose of the law. And it was added because of our transgressions. We don't need a law if we're not sinners, but we are. And the sin condemns us. Until the offspring should come, that's Jesus, to whom the promise has been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. And so angels have their place. Do you know what the word angel means? It means messenger. They're messengers. They are servants. It is not right to place them up here. It is also not right to put them down here. But to understand them as they are. In the book of Acts... Luke tells us the same thing in verse 52. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Did you know that? Raise your hand if you knew that. Smarty pants. <laughs> There it is in the Bible for all of us to know, and now you know. And so, sure, angels have their place. They are servants of mighty God. Messengers, delivering, and that's all they did. Like the food delivery people. Did they make it for you? No, they just brought it to your house. Well, notice, my friends, in verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. And what we are going to see is, yeah, you want to make much of angels? And the writer here says, Jesus is better. Take a look. Here in verse 2, you know, but in the last days he's spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. How did God create the world? Through his son, his son Jesus. When you think of creator God, do you think of his son Jesus? Jesus the creator. The one who spoke and brought all things into existence. 
your opinion of Jesus has got to be turned up, my friends, though it may be high. In the media, <laughs> Jesus is pre uh, pre presented as, as this kind shepherd guy. Oh, he's a nice man, this Jesus. He's very polite, my friends. He is God. He is far more than a shepherd. And so, my friends, Jesus' prominence is seen first in Revelation. Then we see he's also prominent in creation. And the list continues, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Go ahead and read that for yourself. He, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is not God Jr., Jesus is God in all of his glory, my friends. And one day, we believers will see it. We will see it. And so Jesus, his prominence, he is clear that he is prominent in Revelation. It is one thing to send a messenger. It is another thing to send the Son. And that is what God has done in his Son, Jesus he is prominent in creation. He is prominent in representation. When you see Jesus, you are looking at God. Not God Jr., my friend. You are looking at God. But he is also prominent in his position. After making purification for sins, that means after Jesus died for our sin and rose from the dead, you know what he did? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down, tells us this. Don't miss this. The work is finished. Jesus' last word from the cross is, it is finished. No more sacrifice must be made. Everything that needs to take place for you to be forgiven of your sin, adopted into the family of God, the price has been paid. Jesus in his prominence, he sat down and notice where he sat. At the right hand of the majesty on high. And the right hand, my friend, is the place of privilege, of high favor. Jesus, when he divides the goats and the sheep, where do the sheep go? To the left. It's not a place. Or I'm sorry, the goats go to the left. So Jesus, his prominence is great. It is great, my friends. And then his preeminence. He is greater than all. As a matter of fact, the writer says here in verse 4, Jesus has a more excellent name. He is the Son, having become as much superior to angels 
as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus, angels. It's not this, friends. It's not back and forth. It's not sometimes this and sometimes that. Jesus has a more excellent name. He is the Son of God. And look at verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my Son, and today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And the answer is, none of them. Jesus and Jesus alone, the very Son of God. And not only that, my friends, in verse 6, we see that Jesus himself receives worship. And again, verse 6, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says... Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says. So here about Jesus, he said, let all of the angels worship him. But of the angels here, verse 7, he says he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Not quite the same thing, is it? Jesus is greater than the angels. And we're going to see in the weeks to come that Jesus is compared and contrasted to others as well. And guess what? He's better. He is greater. His prominence and preeminence is great. Well, my friends, not only does he have a more excellent name, and not only does he receive worship, but according to verse 8 through 14, Jesus will reign forever. And he will reign as a righteous king. But of the Son, verse 8, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Your throne, O God. He's talking about Jesus. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. He is a righteous king. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. You see that? How does Jesus feel about your sin? He hates it. You know, he hates it. Doesn't hate you. Clearly, he went to the cross for you. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And so he is a righteous king that reigns forever. And he is the eternal creator. Look at verse 10. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. When you look up into the clouds, it was the very Son, Jesus, the Son of God, who did the work. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all wear out like a garment. When's the last time you wore out clothes? Remember when you were a kid? You know, you just see holes in the knees, you know, they're starting to get light, and they're starting to get thin. 
It's been a while. Well, I have one pair of pants that has just been rubbed out right here. I don't know why right there. But Jesus says it is the way of all things. That bright, shiny, new, whatever it is, will one day sit in a box waiting to go to the end of the curb. Hmm. So they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Jesus reigns, the righteous king forever. And he never changes. Look at verse 13. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand, again, finished work, position of favor, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Well, there's a good one to underline right there, my friends. Are they not angels, all ministering spirits, sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? They exist to serve the church. Serving God and serving the church. So Jesus, the prominent one, who is prominent in revelation and in creation and representation and in his position. And his preeminence is great, my friend, because he has a more excellent name. He is the Son. He, Jesus, receives worship. Jesus will reign forever as the righteous king, as the eternal creator, and as the immutable conqueror, immutable, unchangeable. Jesus will never have an off day, my friends. He is righteous and he reigns. So friends, if we're to wrap it up here this morning, when you are in need, Jesus is all you need. We don't pray to angels. We don't hope for angels. We pray to God who answers as he sees fit for his glory and for your good. Angels are just the servants. And so in light of this, my friends, in light of what we have just read about Jesus, the obvious application is this first and first alone, is you ought to know him. You ought to know him personally. You ought to not just know about him, you ought to know what it is like to live in a relationship with him. You need to know him. And so my friend, that, that's going to involve some study. And not just here on Sunday morning. But you need to be in the word of God, knowing the God who loves you so much. That he sent his son Jesus to die in your place and be raised from the dead. And once you know him, my friends, you need to put your trust in him. 
And do we know what this, this trust, this biblical faith is? It is knowing the truth and acting on it. It is not just mental assent. I accept that as true. That is not saving faith, my friends. Saving faith is not about information. Saving faith is about transformation. I trust God. I believe his word is true, that Jesus paid the price for my sin. He died in my place. And I'm trusting in him. And when I go one day and I stand before the king of kings, and if he should say to me, why should I let you into heaven? If friends, you start talking about things you did, you don't belong there. The only right answer, and it's not a quiz, my friends, is this. Christ died for my sin, and my sin is great, and he is a great Savior. He died for me. That's all I got. That is saving faith. It is knowing and living in light of what you know. And finally, keep on trusting him. See, we're saved by faith. We ought to live by faith. And faith lived out looks a lot like obedience. It really does. Saving faith. You know the truth and you live it out. Guess what that looks like? Obedience, right? I mean, we obey by faith. We ought to anyway. This is the word of God, and this is how I ought to live. This is what I know about God, and so this is how I perceive my world. And you know, trusting God means no fear, right? You know that, right? There's, there should be no anxiety in the life of a Christian. Oh, here we have this, this, uh, this COVID-19 thing, which is a horrific horrific thing. My wife, a nurse, she is so diligent in studying it out. I know that probably many of you have as well, which is why you're wearing a mask, as annoying as it is. Hmm. Well, we have no fear, because there are things that we know. It is appointed unto us once to die. Amen? <laughs> Not really encouraging, friends. Every one of us knows we're going to die. Any volunteers? Now, I get that. I'm not volunteering. But I know this. That date is in his hands. And that date will be perfect because he selected it. Because God has planned the end from the beginning. And even in your death, you will influence people for his good, for his glory, and for the good of the church, if you're living well. Do you trust Jesus or do you not? Is, is he enough or is he not? Does God understand your circumstances? Is he simply watching it happen? Or is he actively participating in everything that happens? See, what you believe will determine how you behave. There is no reason to fear, my friends. 
There is no reason. The only goal you and I should have is not our comfort, but his glory. So keep trusting him. Keep trusting Jesus. Trusting in Jesus is not rampant foolishness. Well, God will take care of me. That's not how faith works. Faith starts with the word of God, doesn't it? Not with our silly ideas about things. Hmm. So my friends, put your faith in Jesus. He is better than any other option there is. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals this, this wondrous picture of Jesus that puts it all in perspective. Jesus is not the junior mini nice God. He is God. He is the God of creation. He is the God of salvation. He is the God of transformation. God, help us to trust. Grow us in our faith. Help us, God, that we would be diligent, that we would, by your grace, study your word, remember your word, and live accordingly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my friends, I'm going to encourage you, if you've not signed in, to go sign in. We are going to start our congregational meeting in just a few moments.